Our next discussion is going to get us thinking about the spaces around us and how we can use less of it and help meet some of that demand. And very quickly, because our time is tight, I want to begin in my introduction to say one of these guests I've also had the pleasure of working for for more than half a decade, Gregor Robertson, who became the longest serving mayor of Vancouver. And it's not so often that the mayor of any city is invited to the Vatican to see the Pope about their plans on climate change, invited to the White House uh, to offer the same and, and speak with the Secretary of State about it. Gregor's leadership put Vancouver and Canada on the map on that uh, well ahead of its time. And with Gregor, we are joined by the Chairman of Carbon America, Vice President of Golden Properties, and Board Member at Terramera, Alex Lau. And we're joined by the Co-President and CTO of Colostat and Chrome, Sandrine Tremblay, for our panel on Net Zero Cities and the Future of the Built Environment. Give it up for them. Thank you. Thank you, Braden, for the uh, introduction. And uh, big thanks to everybody for being here today, uh, for caring for committing this day to be together uh, to uh, Canada 2020, Braden and the, and the team. Um, fantastic for you to be hosting this and leading this initiative forward. Uh, it's so essential to, to our present and future, to, to quote Mark. Uh, buildings, we're gonna, we're gonna dive in on buildings and cities and why buildings and cities matter. Um, I, I'm gonna just start with a quick, uh, quick poll of the room uh, hands up if you use clean transportation, walking, biking, public transit, or electric vehicle. Okay, some early adopters, uh, active transportation users, I'm sure. Uh, hands up if you know that you use renewable energy in your home. Renewable energy, that means Quebec and BC <laughs> and most of Ontario, as we just heard. Uh, hands up if you live in a net zero home. Uh <laughs> so uh, just a reality check on this. Uh, buildings are the number one source of climate pollution on our planet right now. About 40%, depending on how you measure all this, uh, all the fossil energy, majority of the fossil energy that we use goes into heating and cooling our buildings, our homes, where we work, where we live, uh, where we play, uh, where we sit right now. Um, it's, it's literally the elephant in the room. It is the room uh, that the elephant is in. <laughs> so we're going to talk about buildings uh, at, in particular uh, and the city's context. Cities are where pr approximately 80% now of our energy is being used and consumed by all of us. Uh, and within cities, generally about half of the energy in the cities is going into our buildings. So if we don't fix buildings, if we don't tackle buildings uh, in our cities first and foremost, uh, we're not gonna win this. We're not gonna be on the podium. Um, so, and that's in concert with the energy sources uh, and many of the other topics that we've been covering, but we're gonna dive in with buildings. And, and with these two, Braden uh, gave a, a brief introduction. Uh, Sandrine, you have been a, a national leader in retrofitting buildings, cleaning up uh, dirty buildings that are, that are polluting. Uh, you have built companies, you, uh, you help lead investment uh, in sustainability. Uh, your life is committed to sustainability in so many ways. Alex, in, in uh, a similar vein uh, with uh, building companies, you're uh, uh, one of Canada's um, uh, renowned clean tech investors in, in ventures globally and building companies uh, and, and acting not only in the building space, but in transportation, uh, in energy, in, in various fields, uh, both of you 
committed to sustainability. Just, let's just start with why buildings um, matter to you. Buildings and cities. Why, why does this matter? Why is it important? Well, as you mentioned, it's depending on how you count it, there's a lot of pollution through buildings. And it appears to me, I've been doing this for 20 years. I started very, very young. But it appears to me nobody's looking at it. And I'm getting frustrated a bit by that because there's a lot of solution. I heard this morning it's a complicated field, and actually it is not. It's not nuclear, for sure. Um, decarbonizing a building to, you know, crack the code is basically the three R's. Reducing the consumption, reusing the internal heat that you already have, and fuel switching, or re like re you were using a re renewable. So it is a process that is well-known, uh, well oil that we have the resource to do so that's why like, it matters to talk about it because we're there we have the means to do it we can do it but yet it doesn't really hit the ground running and and does you know get on the the lights you know that it should have alex yeah i think buildings is where the rubber meets the road in terms of climate i mean you know, if you think about the earth being our home that we're all trying to address, we are not addressing the homes, the buildings where we live and work. And, you know, you said the number of 40 percent. Um, as we've done our analysis, we think it's more like 50 percent of global emissions is caused by real estate, both direct or indirect. And uh, that's if you include the embodied carbon of the buildings and the stuff inside the buildings. So it's a huge impact. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we... Uh, I co-founded and I'm still chair of a company called Carbon America, which is a carbon capture super developer. So we're doing carbon capture and sequestration. We've got great support from the government, a lot of attention. It's wonderful. We'd love more. We also did some work on decarbonizing our, our headquarters in, in Vancouver, a 27-story office building. We reduced the carbon footprint of that building by 80% with a five-year payback, and nobody noticed. Nobody cares. We got no support to scale that up. So, I mean, on the one hand, you've got something which is a cost of society, arguably, which is getting lots of attention. And on the other hand, you've got something which is actually, you know, pays for itself. And maybe in some cases, we got to pay something for it. But the, the cost of doing something at the end of the line in the building itself versus trying to decarbonize everything upstream, there's just so much low-hanging fruit there. And it's the greatest impact. And, you know, we're the only ones here in this whole conference talking about it. So, mm. um, and yet everybody kind of understands buildings. No one understands carbon in the buildings, but we understand buildings. Mm -hmm. So um, if we want to have the greatest impact as, Canadi as a you know, Canadian government or as Canadians, if we can start by looking in the buildings. Uh, the other thing to think about is Canadians, we bat way above our weight. We punch above our weight <laughs> in real estate. We have real leaders in the real estate sector you know, from you know, Cadillac Fairviews and Brookfields and, uh, um, you know, big uh, matters of real estate, but also really cutting edge real estate developers who develop not just they started in Canada, but they develop elsewhere. They build on policies, some of them in Vancouver, where we're really leading in urban design and building and green building design, and that's being exported to the world. And so that's expertise, which we're not following up on as, as a country. We're not giving them the support. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's I would say in the in the success department, success is to build on. Uh, in Vancouver, we brought in um, what was the greenest building code in uh, all of the Americas, 
a decade ago, basically, you know, on the mission to make Vancouver the greenest city in the world uh, and to create a competitive advantage for our economy in Vancouver based on developing those technologies and scaling them. Our, our green building code, basically, you know, we, we projected forward with a, a great community, a great industry in real estate and development and building technologies, architects, engineers. We knew we had a, a fantastic resource in terms of people and, and talents. Um, we pushed them and said, you know, we're going, we're going greenest city. We're going to have zero emission build in our buildings uh, by 2030. We're giving you lots of time. Um, that the industry has basically delivered 10 years ahead of that uh, by 2020. Every application coming into City Hall just after I left uh, was a zero emission building. Uh, and, and this is, as Alex says, this is technology now that we're ex exporting. We have architects, engineers, building technologists, uh, experts like Sandrine who, uh, who know how to do this and are doing this all over the world, whether it's new construction or retrofit. And so we, uh, you know, having lived through that success uh, by focusing on, on what we can do at the scale of a city. Um, and, and, you know, we see examples of this in the energy sector. We see examples with transportation, with, with what's happening right now with batteries. When we in Canada apply ourselves and, and target and focus on, on a challenge with the talent that we have, we can deliver great results. Uh, I, in terms of successes at the level you're operating, many buildings in Quebec, Ontario. Talk, talk about the, yeah, the success like the, 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 the great, like, I, I saw like great corporation as Brookfield, as, as Capri that we work with. They have, a, they have a plan and they have targets and they measure. So that's the start. And, and, and to make it you know, financially attractable and, and doable, they have a 2030 target with all their portfolio and they churn through it year after year. It's part of the operation now. So those big corporations have a target. They are well on their way to reach it because they're organized ecosystem of building owners that they have like 500, 600, 700 buildings under their belly. And they have, you know, professional to, to care for it. And, and then those are like very good success stories. And, and under that, we have like a great ecosystem of, of people to decarbonize those buildings. As Alex mentioned, like, you know, like five years ROI, 80% decarbonized, decarbonized building is basically the norm for, uh, for uh, office building retrofit. And in, in Quebec and in Ontario, there's a large ecosystem of engineering and engineering through university to training and new businesses that, that create that market that does energy retrofit. And the, we do export a lot in New York, a lot in the United States and everywhere because we have that, that, that hunger and that, that competency that we have. So that's mm -hmm. the success that we can build on too. Mm -hmm. Alex in the success department, what are, you, what are you most excited about? Buildings, companies? I mean, I think Sandrine's an amazing success and you know, how do we scale that? Uh, I think mass timber and the rise of mass timber is an emerging success in terms of embodied carbon in buildings. Um, you know, we saw the 18-story tower in UBC, which transformed the world of mass timber world, worldwide, right? And we're seeing that with a mass timber building, we can get to a building that consumes no carbon in its construction, which is amazing. Um, and, uh, and we're just in the early innings of this. I mean, we're, we're close to past mass parity with mass timber today, with the tools today. 
And that's with hardly investment, any investment in materials of it. We know, you know I, I do some venture investment as well. We know on the material side, we can create wood-based materials that outperform steel, that have twice the strength of steel at half the cost. So if you look at where we are today versus where we know technically we can get to, we're, I mean, this is, this is a super exciting story and it's just how quickly can we go down that road? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's a climate imperative to get us down there as quickly as possible. And, and, there, and you know, thereby for Canada, a huge business opportunity if we can lead it. We have the resources, we have the talent here. We have a mass timber ecosystem in, in Vancouver, emerging one in, in, in the east, in Quebec. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was struck uh, coming out of the, the, the world of politics, re recovering from the world of politics, uh, jumped into a business called Nexi Building Solutions in, uh, in Vancouver. It's actually a Moose Jaw technology from two uh, inventors in Moose Jaw. Uh, and, and what the, the trajectory that we've been on as a company uh, going after embodying carbon, first and foremost, just for basic math, about two thirds of building uh, emissions are the operational. It's, it's basically almost all burning uh, natural gas to heat and cool buildings. And about one third is the materials, the concrete and steel being uh, the, the major challenges. Wood can, can gain us back on, on embodied carbon, depending on how it's um, harvested, processed, uh, how we manage our forests. Um, but that, that one third of embodied carbon, uh, in the case of Nexi, um, you know, we, we have a solution that has now scaled. Uh, we're the fastest unicorn in Canadian history, and we're not a software company. Uh, we use a lot of software and a lot of technology, but we, we build buildings. We manufacture buildings on a factory floor in panels, and they're, they are low embodied carbon panels. So the technology we have today, about a third less embodied carbon, what we can produce uh, here, uh, what we're producing for the U.S. market, uh, and then those buildings are airtight, uh, very energy efficient, a third to a half less energy. And that's, that's one Canadian company, Moose Jaw Technology, grown in Vancouver um, and, and manufactured here. And of, of many companies across Canada who can scale and meet this need and demand. And, uh, and the investment market obviously supports it. Uh, this is what, where we need to scale. I, I'm curious, um, when you send to me, when you talk about the opportunity for scale and you have large real estate portfolio developers, owners, um, where should, where should the government of Canada be and, or the government of Quebec, Ontario, the provinces to help scale the retrofit market and be able to get to all of the buildings instead of just the, the ones that you're focused on? That's a really good question. And I wish I have like the perfect answer, but I don't know. <laughs> But we do have a, a, a quantities of buildings to address. And to address the quantity of buildings, it's it really, we need to aggregate. So the big portfolio do aggregate and take care of them. And But the, the largest part of the buildings in the built environment is not part of a big portfolio. So one of my, my ideas of the last year was a lot of my, my clients are calling me because their banks asked them to decarbonize their operation. And I see a lot of pressure from the financing world. Thank you to the financing world. Like they bring me a lot of, uh, a lot of business, but uh, that could be a solution. Maybe the, the, the banking world can take part of, of that actually, like put those solutions on the ground and enforce the issue and then bring people to do it. 
Because if we go to every single individual home or, or small or medium building, commercial building owned by a family, we will never be able to do like all the work that needs to be done. And, and I want to add on the plus side, there's like a, we, we talk a, a lot about uh, the grid and, and, you know, how to produce more electricity to decarbonize. The actual building infrastructure is a solution for that. If we, as I mentioned, the first step to decarbonize is to reduce the actual electri uh, electricity usage, uh, energy usage. And that saving is actually helping the infrastructure. After a project, a, a five-year ROI, you need to reduce the operating costs. How you do that is to, by really reducing the actual energy um, consumption. So if you do that, you release a lot of, a, a lot of electricity for other decarbonization. So, so the building... And, and it's a, an individual uh, action, it's still a, a collective action because it will release a lot of electricity to be used for other means of decarbonization on the grid. Right. Clean transportation, more buildings, more affordable housing. Yeah. Alex, in terms of uh, gaps or, or weaknesses right now, what, what do we need to do collectively here now that we're in Ottawa? Uh, I think we need to start by understanding the importance of the challenge and the opportunity. I mean, we had OPG here, no talk about buildings, but every building can ge actually generates electricity, it stores electricity, and uh, um, you can use it for load management. There's, you know, like we don't understand buildings in this way, we don't understand the fleet of buildings in this way, right? We're starting to think about that in terms of vehicles, but not buildings. So I, I think first we have to think more about buildings. Um, I think, you know, you have to think to, well, we've talked about carrots and sticks, and it's really understanding what are we trying to achieve with carrots and sticks, right? We want to find solutions, we want to scale those solutions, and then we want to make those solutions everywhere. So for finding solutions, we have some VCs, we get some support there. Um, I think there's a role for government in terms of incentivizing those that solutions discovery. There can be competitions, we can have other kinds of incentives. That's mostly carrot. Right. Um, then when it comes to scaling, again, we, we got to get from finding the solution to getting a bunch of them happening. Someone like Sandrine and the work that she's doing is really scaling that solution. Um, and we need to have the incentives again to do that. But eventually it's got to move from, you know, all carrot to some carrot to some stick to like pretty much mostly stick where how do you get to, you know, mass mobilization so it's everywhere. So I think you need to stick to force the users to, to do it, like the building owners, because building owners, they don't understand, they don't care. They don't care if the payback is five years or if it's two years, most of the time. I, I know places where there's like a one-year payback and nobody cares. So you, you need to have the stick to force people to do what's in their best interest. You'd be, you'd be amazed how many proposals are sitting on, you know, well-known buildings under three years of ROI for more than 80% of reduction with massive uh, footprints that are sleeping there for decades. Mm -hmm. So, so we can't, we, like, we can't ask everybody to move and then it will, it like, like the, the stick is, is, is non-popular, but it makes people richer at the end because, you know, it, it is a, a, a economically um, doable and feasible and, and, and solution for those buildings. So to get somebody to move with a stick, it's, it's un, un, uncomfortable for that person, but it will create uh, a like a, you know, more economic outcome. And then when you think about mobilization, you know, you can't just have a thousand sun dreams you can't she you can't replicate her fast enough it we have to amazing. think about 
it would be amazing. Um, but you know, how, how do we, how do we do this really efficiently? Like, how do you bring automation to the process? How do you do ma mass manufacturing, mass design? Like, you know, it, and market certainty helps you develop those things mm. support from government in terms of, you know, think about industrial policy and how do you actually facilitate this industry's growth, you know, so that you can say, yeah, there's no way the industry can meet the need. It might be economic, but we just can't do it. It's going to cause massive inflation if we, if we go about doing things. If you do things the way that we did it when we we're just starting to scale it, we're not going to get there in the most cost-effective way. But if we know that we want to get to a destination, we can actually organize to get there really cost-effective. Mm -hmm. Same as the new cure. Like, you know, we need the predictability. And once we have predictability, as we... There's a carbon tax created that. Like it's an incremental, everybody knows like how are we going till 2030? And it did create some discussion because it is there, it is sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, you're, and you'll also see a race from around the world to bring their technologies here. They know that this is a market where everybody's going to adopt these new technologies. You know, everybody's going to set up here. We don't have to run around the world looking for solutions. And we become the systems integrators of those solutions here. We, we try it, we test it, we export that expertise around mm -hmm. the world. And I think that's that last piece is in particular uh, at, at Nexi, what we found is you've got the, the biggest companies in the world right now have made net zero commitments. And the biggest companies in the world all have massive real estate portfolios. Uh, so they look at, their, at their, their carbon performance and they go, okay, we better deal with our buildings. Uh, first and foremost, buildings and transportation uh, and the energy use in their buildings. So what, what we're getting as a company is the biggest brands in the world saying, can you, can you deal with our buildings? Uh, can, we need them built faster. Uh, this is a, an industry that has resisted modernization. It's uh, the last industry basically to digitize, automate, uh, and, and manufacture offsite. So we've, we've got to get the construction and buildings industry in terms of new, we've got to get it into the, the digital age. Uh, and and with that comes all these efficiencies and you can deliver a building with lower carbon with great performance uh, you can build it faster uh, and you can achieve the goals for all of the biggest companies in the world as they transform uh, their buildings and their real estate so we by integrating the systems HVAC systems for for heating and cooling uh, windows uh, the, the envelope of the building uh, that's low carbon and energy efficient when you pull all these together in a package, um, which we are starting to do, uh, several companies in Canada are now leading on this. So this is um, this is where Canadian innovation uh, can win uh, and benefit uh, all of us. I think that it, the the one piece um, I was struck by, and we saw a bunch of commentary in the in the energy efficiency world, uh, the budget did not is not focused on that. Uh, fantastic results in terms of uh, investing in electricity and new generation and the transition, but uh, doesn't really tackle uh, energy efficiency, which uh, Canada does not perform well on. I, oddly enough, you know we live in the Great White North here, and, um, and we don't focus on energy efficiency particularly well in our buildings. You get a lot of work because of that, yeah, uh, which is which is fine, but. As a country, we need to need to get more efficient uh, and and manage our energy, uh, and and what I know the programs that have come forward um, that our government has brought forward here federally are massively oversubscribed. Canadians want to make an investment in their homes, in their buildings, um, 
but the programs are oversubscribed. So hopefully we see that uh, shift happen. I would say from a regulator's perspective, uh, Vancouver has its own building code, which is not that common in Canada, but um, we have to elevate our building codes. Uh, and that's what's happened. If you look across Europe, it's like how fast 100 cities getting to carbon neutral uh, it, in the next seven years. And that's with building codes primarily driving it and big transportation investment as well. But um, we, we have to bring our building codes. We should be leading the world in terms of green building codes. Yeah, and, and that's something the national government, I think, could do. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Or like you, you, you look over to Europe and you have tons of inspiration how they deal with their, like they have to manage their energy consumption as a whole. And as the, those are like, you know, we can see and measure like how effective their measures are. Like they, they passed law to reduce the temperature inside the buildings. It's really minor, but it's massive in terms of, of, of the signal that it sends to people. Because every building owners, their, bus their business is to rent that building to someone. And that someone is, you know, asking for 21 degrees at all time, even during the night while it's fully empty. And those laws indicate to that entire market, okay, lower your expectation on temperature. We're all into the end result. The, the end game is our planet. And, and I think that's effective as well. So then that's probably one solution as well. Alex, any, any last thoughts on seeds to plant? I mean, I, I think the real estate industry is going through a transformation um, in the way that we run buildings in terms of the um, large groups which are assembling large portfolios of buildings, the way we design buildings more and more in software, and the way we build buildings, which is got to be faster, larger and larger components being assembled on site, um, just much more being planned automatically in computer, and that's going to compress time schedules. It's going to provide a better user experience for people who are in the building, but it's also going to be greener. And how do we integrate the green aspect into it while we're going through that transition? I think this is, uh, you know, to uh, Francois Philippe's point yesterday, this is this is an inflection point for, for us in the industry. And so when we go and make the, all these other changes, if we can bring the carbon aspect into it this is this is an amazing opportunity and and time to do that and you know we tried to do that when we did our deep green retrofit of our building we everything that we did we said it has to have a benefit to tenant comfort to the tenant experience we have the highest spec office lighting in the world we have you know 500 parts per million co2 count i mean nobody knows what their co2 levels in their buildings are we do and we also know that cognitive performance benefits um for the people who are in the building Nobody understands those things, but these are going to be coming online. Mm. Yeah, good, good thoughts. And I, I would just close uh, with the people perspective on this. And this, we, we generally have the context of cities, uh, as, as we heard last night, some of us from, uh, from the Premier of Northwest Territories, uh, we'll, the, the housing in our Indigenous communities is, is brutal, I, I think, um, absolutely unacceptable. These, this is where we need to invest uh, in not, not only transforming the buildings of our cities, but uh, across Canada into Indigenous communities. We have to improve the buildings, the housing, make sure it's healthy, make sure it's energy efficient, uh, make sure that people of all, wa all walks of life in our cities as well have access to, to safe, healthy, uh, environmentally friendly buildings. So that equity piece has, has to be first and foremost. This is where we live. Uh, and, and love our lives. So 
that's uh, that's our update on the buildings front. Keep up the good work, everyone.